0: and welcome to Davida's Power of Women podcast. I'm Grace Berman, a Senior Director with Davida University and co-host of our Davida Leadership Insights podcast. I am honored to host this two-part crossover episode where I get to connect with four of our women leaders who founded this podcast series. I'm here today with Kathleen Waters, Chief Legal Officer, Rebecca Griggs, Group Vice President, Stephanie Hendrickson, Group Vice President, and Betsy McCubrey, Group Vice President and Deputy General Counsel. By the end of this episode, I hope you will feel more connected and empowered by hearing their stories of successes, stumbles, and learnings along their career journeys. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Well, uh, what a treat to uh, be here with the four of you today. I love to begin with hearing about your inspiration to start this podcast series. So uh, let's start with Kathleen. I've heard... You have been the mastermind. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective
1: if that's A, true, or B, what the real story might be. I was going to say you're going to learn a lot now, Grace, because <laughs> one, it's not true. And two, I actually don't ask answer the questions that are asked of me. So I'm going to just pivot <laughs> slightly because I think it was what was the inspiration to like lean into women in the village here. And, and it was that I, I knew Javier was super passionate about it. And he was focused on a lot of different things, and given my passion for it, I, w- I went to him and said, look, can I just run with this, and and do I have your authority to do whatever, and I don't have to come to you? And he was like, absolutely. And so we got this group of women together that you're hearing from now, um, and one of them I won't name any names, is the one who came up with the podcast idea, so I wasn't going to talk about it. Um, But we wanted to do things that we could reach as many women as we possibly could. And so we came up with a bunch of ideas, and I'll I'll turn it to Rebecca. I'm not going to say who came up with the idea (laughs) or anything. I'll turn it to Rebecca.
2: (laughs) The one who shall not be named. The one
1: who shall not be named can talk about the podcast idea.
2: I actually do remember a little bit of a story related to this, which I think has started from a very lighthearted place, which was hey, like, what do I wish that I would have known and had not felt like a unicorn as I was going through? And then how do you take that and help people that might feel like they're alone um, and try to get that out there more broadly in a podcast felt like it was one of... Uh, the unique ways that we could do that. And I recall, I think it started with a conversation around menopause. And like, I wish Okay, this is my sweet spot then. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we we have yet to do that episode, but sometime soon. Well, stay tuned. I was going to say.
1: (laughs) Because people don't talk about it enough, I swear. That's right. (laughs)
0: That's right. Well, great. Betsy, Stephanie, anything to add to that?
1: No. I'm not sure where you go from the last one. <laughs> Grace ones. is like, you got it. I'm not building on the menopause comment. For so. Grace is like, really? Yeah. This is what I got?
0: <laughs> this is where we're going. We're in it. We're uh. in it to win it now. Well, um, thanks for sharing that. I, I'm inspired. Um, of course, I've I've had the the pleasure of of being involved in our Devita Leadership Insights podcast. And when I heard that uh, that you all were interested in starting one specifically on the power of women, I mean, gosh, that uh, that was really inspiring. So, I love that we have this in the village, and I love that we get to talk about these issues. So, on the topic of um, of connecting with women leaders here in the village, and, and part of the reason why you started this podcast. I feel like women feel more connected knowing that there's a community of other women leaders, like you were saying, Rebecca, at Davida who acknowledge and just understand some of those common challenges women can experience in the workplace. And they are, uh, they can be unique. They can be unique. So one of the challenges I seem to hear a lot about from women is around the topic of confidence. So Betsy, I know you hosted uh, a really insightful episode, episode two of this podcast series with Christina Curtis, a professional executive coach and author on cultivating confidence. And by the way, I would just like to do a quick plug. I would encourage everyone to go back and listen to that episode because it's just jam packed with tactical strategies. So check it out in our show notes um, and you'll find the link there. So um to you, Betsy. So could you share a little bit more about your journey to cultivate confidence as a leader?
3: Yes. Yeah, so and I, I love that you um, use the word journey because mm-hmm. I, I, for myself, I really do see it as a journey. And in particular, over the last two years, it's been something that I've really focused on because I, I struggle with it. And I define uh, confidence as, as in the face of uncertainty, where you don't know the outcome or you can't control the outcome still moving forward. And, and people can call it uh, confidence, vulnerability, being brave. Any of those things for me are just synonyms, but it's really hard. And I think everybody struggles with it, but I think women, you know, there, there's more opportunity to struggle with it. And so I this manifests my personal life, my professional life, it, it would be why I don't get on the stage to sing karaoke, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to focus more on sort of here at, at DeVito and in my professional life, you know, a couple of ways it manifests for me and where I've been really working hard to work through that would be in meetings where I'll, I'll be invited to a meeting um, and there may be a power differential and I'll lose my voice. In the meeting, and um, I know I have every right to be in this meeting. I know the topic. There's a reason I'm invited to this meeting, and yet the little voices in my head are are doing some self protective things. They're like, "Right, don't don't say something stupid. You might lose your seat. Uh, if if you say something, maybe you didn't have all the facts, and you're going to lose your credibility, and you're not going to be invited back to this meeting again." And so, just fighting through that, and then of course the moment is gone. I really probably had something brilliant to say and I didn't say it and, and we've moved forward. And so I think one of the really important things in that moment is recognizing like, yep, I'm going to have the little heartbeats. They're going to go like this. Um, but even in that moment, you say it mm. and you just own it. You're supposed to be there and you have the confidence. And, and the reality is people aren't going to be thinking those things about you. And even if you fail, You're going to survive, and you just need to work through it. And so I put a sticky on my computer string, and it says, do hard things. I challenge myself one time a week to make sure I'm working through that. And so lots of other examples from difficult conversations with teammates, your peers, your manager, or your reports, but just working through it and challenging yourself because it really does make your experiences better. It makes their experiences better uh, as well. And then my one shout-out to women in terms of helping each other in this space is regardless of whether you're in a meeting room or on a WebEx, you know, even if it's a homeroom, encourage others. So even if it's in a WebEx chat, it could be your peer. It doesn't matter to say, hey, I know you have something nice, good to say on this topic, and just encourage them. And then if somebody has the nerve to say something, guy, all means, if you're a manager, applaud it and say, you know, I know this might have been difficult for you to have this conversation with me, and I want to keep this dialogue going, and just really encourage them um, because so many of us do struggle with this. And so, again, recognize it, fight through it, remind yourself you're going to be okay, and then just really work to encourage others to take on that challenge as well.
0: Those are great tips, and I love how you used your own journey to help lift other women in this endeavor. So that's that's wonderful. And I, I want to pull on the topic of confidence a little bit more and, and bring it into uh, the topic of imposter syndrome, which is related. And I've, I mean, I've certainly had moments when I felt like this, which is definitely a more persistent and a bigger kind of feeling than just maybe a lack of confidence in the moment. And I know, Rebecca, you've been really open about your story with imposter syndrome. So could you share a little bit about that
2: story and how you navigated through those feelings? Yeah, I thought this question might come up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, first time I actually heard this term was probably six or seven years ago. And I was at a 30% club event, which by the way, is something um, that Devita is still involved with. And it was quite an impactful um, experience for me. And I remember um, there was a panel of super powerful women that were speaking, and one of them talked about imposter syndrome. And she went on to kind of explain what it was. And so I think it's a more common term now. But just in case it sounds unfamiliar, you're a little bit unclear on the exact definition. The way I think about it is you've got this mindset of, this all just happened by coincidence. I've just been extremely lucky and all the successes that I've had are not really a result of anything that's unique that I'm uniquely capable of. Um, and so I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this. And first, I had this huge feeling of relief because I was like, oh my goodness, somebody else just described how I feel so often. And then the second thing that came over me was also just the thought that it is so common that there's actually a name for it. And I can't tell you how many times I've used this in other conversations with other women and just being able to put kind of a title on it sometimes is often liberating. And so one of the things that I didn't do, though, in the moment, I had so much relief from kind of understanding that I wasn't the only person that maybe felt that way. But there's probably a couple of years that went by before... I took any action with that, which was, okay, if that's not an uncommon feeling, there's actually a word for it, then what do you do about it? And so one of the things that I learned and was impactful for me in terms of trying to overcome that was just to build Betsy on your comment of, you know, I find myself often sitting in these meetings trying to figure out, you you want to come across as smart, you have these ideas. My brain doesn't work as fast as sometimes other folks do in those meetings. And my gut is telling me, like, there's something here. There's something, like, is off, or gosh, we should go in this direction or whatever. And I was given some great advice by a mentor, actually, who said, you can actually cultivate that, which is when you have that feeling, just, like, turn to the back page in your notebook, jot it down, and see then how often your gut reaction was right. Like, and so many times, somebody else says the exact same thing that you were thinking in a, you know, later on in the conversation, or you come out, you know, several weeks down the road and you realize that actually was something that was meaningful to bring up. And just the whole concept of keeping score of like, when was my gut reaction right? And, you know, was I actually feeling the right kind of emotions or kind of the right specificity around something that might happen gave me a little bit more confidence as I went into those that there is something that is not just happening by chance. And so anyone that's looking for a little tip, uh, just one, one little way to go about uh, overcoming that.
0: That's great. And I like that how you are combating it by by showing your successes so you can actually see them because that is one of the hallmarks of the imposter syndrome is despite your ongoing success, like you can't acknowledge it. So writing it down is uh, that's a great tip. and And Kathleen, I want to go
1: to you next because I understand you have a <laughs> bit of a
0: different experience with imposter syndrome. So
1: I'd love to hear about your story. I hate answering this question normally, but it, but it's funny. I actually made that comment to someone and and she said to me like that's not fair like why why do you think that because you know would a man feel the same way that you're feeling and so so I am going to answer the question even though I told you I wasn't going to answer all my questions but but I will say that I will preface it is that my answer to the question is a little more about a parenting tip than it is about empowering women or a professional tip um because you know I go through a lot what Betsy was talking about like the the nerves in the stomach and the butterflies or the heart racing before saying things. So it's not like I don't feel like I get out over my skis sometimes or that I'm not sure about things. Like, I definitely have that. But if you think of imposter syndrome as being, I don't think I belong here, that I didn't deserve the seat that I'm in right now, and it was just happenstance, I I haven't had that and I credit my mom a lot for that because I was raised with such incredible confidence. You know, she never said to me, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't wear that because it doesn't really look good on you, even though a lot of stuff didn't look good on me. She never said, you know, you should have gotten an A when she's always like, you're brilliant. You were this like I was just raised to believe i was so incredibly awesome um <laughs> that it in all seriousness that it wasn't until i got to college that i was like wow i'm actually not that awesome like i'm just a 6 and my mom told me all along i was a 10 <laughs> and and but by that point it's too late cuz <laughs> cuz that confidence is actually a deep seated thing and so when i am in the room and i have the flurries i just need to take a deep breath and say there is a reason i am in the seat and I earned it, and, and so I am here so that people can hear my voice. And I am here so that every other woman around the table sees that it is okay to talk, and it is okay to interrupt somebody else who is interrupting you. And so I, I just believe it, and so it comes out. So, again, I, I think it's just I was raised that way, and, and so it is what I am right now. And I and I was embarrassed by that mm. uh, even two weeks ago or or a few days ago before— someone else sitting in this room said something and um <laughs> and so I, i'm owning it yeah, I, I I think you should. That sounds great. Yeah, you you
0: go for that ten. That that's the way you should. Honestly. I know. I know. I'm a six. That's just it. But I have the confidence
1: of a ten, but I'm a solid six. Well, what I
0: heard was a, a couple things that stood out to me about that story was just one is if you have daughters, if you're raising daughters, that that is so powerful. Look, think about the influence that you have. If you can um, build up their confidence, help them feel like they belong in whatever settings, and help them feel confident. Um, through 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 their childhood, through adulthood, and it lasts. Um, so I love that. And then the second piece of it is, too, I appreciate that you did talk about that, that you don't, let's say, suffer from imposter syndrome or haven't really felt the deep uh, feelings that come with imposter syndrome because I think that's another thing that women face is almost this a different expectation of needing to be even more humble, you know, even less confident because if you're too confident, then
1: there's this bar that, just a different bar, I think. Yep. And that's exactly the feedback I got when I was like, oh, I don't want to have to answer this question ever again. Mm. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for answering. (laughs) Well, let's pivot uh, a little bit here on the topic, to the topic of leadership. Um, I, I Personally, I did not have exposure to a lot of women leaders early in my career. And from what I saw, I've felt that being a woman was more of a liability for a leader um, rather than a strength. And honestly, it took me a while to shake that feeling and for me to figure out how can I lead in a way that was true to myself. So, Stephanie, I'd love uh, to hear from you about your journey to finding your own style as a leader and how you support other leaders in their own journeys.
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and I love this question because, again, back to I think something Betsy mentioned earlier, this is a, this is a journey and it's been a journey for me for sure. You know, something that I've come to understand um, about myself is that leadership for me was initially just more about emulating people who the world had told me were quote unquote great leaders. And often that was defined in my mind by what their title was, and most of the time they were they were men. And what I would do is I would look at the traits that they had, and then I would try to copy those things, right? And so I'd show up as this leader that I thought the world was sort of telling me I needed to be. And what that left me feeling a lot of times was actually less secure and just exhausted. So I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but you know, you walk off a, a stage or or you come out of a meeting, and it's sort of like, what did I just say? Like I don't, I don't even know who that was. Um, And shortly thereafter, you know, as I was going through some of these, I I had a a coach at one point uh, use a phrase for me that was actually a game changer. And it was this concept of um, shoulding on yourself. And Mm. I'm going to pronounce that very clearly. I'm saying should (laughs) on yourself, (laughs) i.e. I I should do this. I should say that. I should show up a certain (laughs) way as a leader. And what I realized is I was living my life in a way that I thought I should be performing or I should be leading rather than just being true to who I authentically was. And so once I figured that out, I actually just took a step back and said, what are actually some of the ways that I want to lead? What are the ways that I actually want to carry things forward uh, in a way that is totally me? And and that's just who I'm going to show up as. And so as an example... I felt that a lot of times leaders, especially earlier on, they would they would sort of keep things back, uh, meaning they would expect me to sort of read their mind on what was going on. And I actually didn't like that. And so when I took a step back, I decided I wanted to be a transparent leader. And that wasn't because I was you know, trying to be more strategic by not sharing things. I actually just wanted to, to kind of bring that forward. And so that was something that felt authentically me. And so that was sort of, for me, it was going from this place of, hey, I should do all these things to saying, nope, this is actually who I am. And so then to the second part of your question, Grace, you know, when I talk to other Women, especially, I cannot tell you how often I'm talking to um, another woman and she says, well, I think I should. And I'm like, ooh, no. So that's Mm. just sort of a key catchphrase for me in any conversation is how many times are you saying the word should in terms of what you think you should be or do or feel or all these things? And you just got to remove it from your vocabulary. So that's sort of my go-to. That's great. And thank you for demonstrating the importance of articulation on that (laughs) one because
0: should ying Yes. I love that. Um, And Kathleen, I'd love to hear too, because just recently, I mean, I feel like I've spoken to so many women who have said, Kathleen has mentored me or Kathleen has given me this great advice on how to grow into my leadership. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how you developed your own style and then
1: how you coach others to do the same. Well, you know, it's. I hate going after Stephanie because she was so good because of just how she can articulate it. Because I have a lot of the same ideas and thoughts, and I just couldn't put them together as clearly as that. And and so I, I think for me. I grew up in a law firm where, you know, out of coming out of law school, there's over fifty percent of the uh, lawyers are women. And going entering a law firm is similar, but by the time you get to be an equity partner, it's like five percent or ten percent are women. And so it was really important to me to maintain the fact that I'm a woman in my leadership, Mm. and that I am unabashed of it. I I am. I'm never going to dress accordingly, I'm going to stay who I am, which I I like shoes. I like fashion. I'm not that fashionable because I'm a solid six, (laughs) Um, but but I just like it. And so I'm never going to let go of it. In fact, I try to lean into it for other women. And I even, you know, the one thing I do that I try to, I almost hide of myself is that I'm a huge sports fan. And I try not to talk about that too much because I don't want women to think that in order to be successful, you have to play those games or you have to lean into those issues. So I, for me, it is really important as a leader, woman leader to stay a woman and to, you know, find those paths. And so I make sure if there's conversations about sports at the table that I bring in something else. And so then, you know, the second part is like, how do you distill that down? And and I do think, that the most important thing, which is what Stephanie said, is you have to be yourself because you're never going to be effective if you are trying to pretend to be someone else. You're never going to be an effective leader if you are just mirroring what you think is an effective leader. And so it is the, you know, cultivating the confidence to get there to say, I'm smart. I am here for a reason. And this is my style. And and you'll find where you lead, like maybe you don't, where you have your current role and your style doesn't work, but you'll find something that does. And so don't give up. If you think it's not working, your style isn't working, don't give up. Just find the place that it is, mm. but it does. Yeah, the message
0: on authenticity. And if, you, if you've changed yourself so much that you don't recognize yourself and you're not really proud of that person, then yes, that's definitely a sign, it seems, uh, to go the other direction. This concludes part one, navigating challenges of our two-part episode on connecting with women leaders. Stay tuned for part two, where we continue our conversation and dive into the important topic of balancing career and family. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into Davida's Power of Women podcast. I hope you feel as connected and empowered as I do right now. Please remember to hit that subscribe button on this podcast series so you don't miss any episodes. Also, we'd love to hear your feedback so please click on the survey link in the show notes and give us your thoughts and suggestions. This is Grace Berman thanking you for leading with your hearts and understanding the power of DeVita Women.